Hey there, welcome to the Jenny and Paul Sellout Podcast. This is episode number 10. We're now in double digits. Hey, my name is Paul Reismanel, one half of your sellout team. Joining in just a moment will be my co-host, Jenny Benevento. On this episode, we're going to do some follow-up with some listener comments, review those and uh, give you some answers and maybe just leave you with more questions. And then, of course, we'll review our favorite things and then get into the topic of the day, which roughly equals, I need the thing to do the thing, or why maybe you don't need the thing to do that thing. Just go do the thing. It'll all make sense in a moment. You just stay tuned. Hello, Jenny. Hello, Paul. Well, uh, we're welcome. This is uh, this is number ten. Number ten. I was are. going to bring champagne, but we're not physically in the same location, so no. I wasn't going to drink a whole bottle of champagne by myself. <laughs> well, I don't I know why that, not. <laughs> I thought that would affect quality. <laughs> or, well, <laughs> but it could be positive or negative effect. It could be positive or negative. Maybe we'll do a drunk show and I will be drunk for it. <laughs> we are... Uh, yeah, we are on the Skype again this week uh, because of your uh, well, because of two reasons. One, you you have moved recently, right? And also two, because you have the foot that just won't quit. My my left foot, yeah, your it's not. <laughs> it's really my left foot is maybe broken. It's unclear. I've take I, I've gone to an MRI. I'm getting another MRI. I have to get a thin slice MRI, which sounds like a deli order to me mm-hmm. um i don't know it may be broken i may have an esoteric disease that only like 12 year old gymnasts get yeah exactly it's a it's a gymnast disease and, and i'm so similar to gymnasts <laughs> in short what is what is this disease freiburg's okay yeah it's if if you google it it will be like the office of rare diseases which i did not know was an office but that's pretty awesome uh they have a little summary on it so it basically means the second metatarsal in your foot collapses that doesn't sound good (laughs) no it doesn't sound good so at this point we're hoping my foot is broken Yeah, how does that happen? How does a metatarsal it's, collapse? It's disease. Oh, because there's not enough blood getting to it, apparently. Freiburg's disease, like the way it works is that the blood doesn't go to that one bone in your body. I, for some reason, it's unclear. No, I don't think anyone knows why it gets cut off to that one part of the body. Okay. So let's hope I don't have a disease. Let's hope that you don't have a disease. And then on top of that, you recently moved. It's true. Uh, to a far western part of the city, uh, the city of Chicago. For those yes, who don't know, yes, I live basically. You live the far farthest you can possibly possibly live north, and I live as far as you can possibly live west. I think. Yeah, so it's a lot less proximate. You were living it, sort of mid north before. Yes, but still, still very possible. It's just I'm not supposed to walk, so that's difficult. But it's, luckily, we have technology. Luckily, we do. Luckily, we do. Luckily, we do. Um, but I think for episode eleven, we will be we will be together once again. Well, wonderful. Maybe, uh, yeah. And then we'll really get to try out all. I got lots of extra technology in the, since we last met. Uh, in number nine, we had a bit of a problem, which I mostly eliminated 
from the episode. So only those with golden ears will note that I had a bit of what we call a ground loop, which is a, uh, a hum, a 60 cycle hum that I could not get rid of in the recording. And I think it resulted from some of the connections to the computer, which we had set up to get uh, Mr. Uh, Cyrus Perret in via Skype combined with one of the microphones and it was just a bloody disaster took a long time for me to to clean up uh so that finally kicked my butt into buying a uh, new audio interface which is balanced meaning it has a ground and uh should help to eliminate that but on top of that i bought a second box that that uh, a direct box that might also help it's funny that despite your audio supposedly being better, that to me all just sounded like Charlie Brown's teacher. <laughs> wah, 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 wah. <laughs> yeah. Yep, much. yep, yep. And, and and we got some fancy microphones that I have not yet put into use. Yeah, that I'm not using. That you're not, you will use. Uh, I will that, use. that our friend Jay, who we hope will be a future guest, he, who is a master brewer, uh, but previously kind of a recording audio geek. Um, he's not using them now that he's brewing. Microphone's not so useful in that process, so he has loaned them to me. Did you hear that there's a hum in Seattle, like in the entire city? No. Yeah, apparently there was this unexplained hum this week, and they found out it's some sort of mating fish that makes this noise. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not making that up. <laughs> and like they have audio clips of it, and it just sounds like a weird, like surround sound hum it's frightening uh, wow okay yeah I, I i now see this on the interwebs and yeah. um yeah it, it's um the midshipman fish <laughs> that it's, just sounds made up i know I, well yes but it's seattle so it's very plausible um it would be something called a midshipman fish what i want to know is what's the frequency kenneth That's a good question <laughs> i don't know i don't know the answer maybe to that. dan rather knows Maybe. Um, is it a 60-cycle hum, or is it maybe like, a, I mean, you know, I would think it would be difficult for a fish to create a 60-cycle hum. But um, nevertheless, that is that is that would be really annoying, because I couldn't buy audio gear to get that out. It's super annoying. It's a good thing we don't live in Seattle. Yeah, I mean, not really, but yes, at least as far as that's <laughs> in this, concerned. In this particular case, it is a good thing that we for, don't. For, for the case of podcasting, not yeah. living in Seattle works out just fine. Uh, so we have a lot of follow up this week, you know, because because last time with Cyrus, I mean, we just jumped right into it, which is great. Um, Cyrus uh, was a great, great guest, and uh, in fact, he uh, he generated uh, at least one listener comment. Uh, it's true. I'm I'm going to interrupt here. I thought of Cyrus when getting my MRI because he talked so effusively about the blender. I felt that an MRI would be really, really enjoyable to him because it makes I, – and I didn't know this before I got an MRI. It makes the loudest possible noises you could ever imagine. <laughs> it is like standing inside of a fairground ride. It's like the loudest possible thing. And it's droney and then there's weird buzzes, buzzing noises and then there's high-pitched noises. It's like a weird cacophony of random. And I thought he would enjoy it. And he, he said that he has not had an MRI, so – he you would know, enjoy it. I've had I one. Would enjoy it. I was disappointed when I had my MRI because would, every because so many people have have talked about how much they hate it and and that it was claustrophobic and it didn't like all the noises and the clunking and all of that. So I was really ready for like this 
something her- shitty. Yeah, not even shitty. No, I was actually expecting it to be great. Because <laughs> such things don't bother me. I, I'm a bit more like Cyrus. I was looking forward to it. And I found it underwhelming. I was really I, hoping well, I for more. No, I, I was like, I'm not going to do any research because it will probably make me more nervous than <laughs> I need to be. Especially because it's on my foot. So I don't even need to go like hole into the thing. Uh, so I didn't do any research, and I, no one in anyone's description of their MRI, like, I have spoken to how many people who've gotten an MRI? Tons. No one had ever mentioned the noises. Hmm. And I okay. thought that was, <laughs> that was an odd thing to not know. So um, I fell asleep. It's an odd thing to leave out, I think. Yeah, I fell asleep during it. Oh, that, yeah, well, that's all right. Yeah, I, mine, I was just having my wrist looked at, so um, I, I think it was maybe... Not, I don't remember. I don't remember it very well. It wasn't that long ago, but you know, I might have fallen asleep too. I I tend to fall asleep pretty easily. Yeah. And uh, but we did get a we get a comment. Uh, we want to follow up on here from Adam Brodsky, who yes. I understand. I've heard of him. I don't really know him well, uh, but uh, he is a, a, a folk singer. Correct? He is a professional folk singer, and uh, he has a Guinness World Record. For playing fifty uh, in fifty states in fifty days, fifty shows in fifty states in fifty days. Okay, so that's an accomplishment, I suppose. Yeah, I, I think it's more difficult in the high plains because those are big states, big square states. It's true, he drove through all of them. I think Hawaii is the most difficult. Yeah, right. Uh. <laughs> he, he played at the Hawaiian airport, I believe. <laughs> well, right. <laughs> So, uh, you know, it's too bad he couldn't pull a full Phil Collins at Live Aid. I don't know if you know this. Oh, right. At the original Live Aid, Phil Collins played both in Philadelphia and in London because he took the Concord to uh, to do so. We don't even have that anymore. No, there is no. We've regressed from that technology. Uh, Let me tell you, you know, Phil Collins, in so many (laughs) ways, the man, the (laughs) man but uh also the man is adam brodsky and and uh and his comment to us uh was oh wow i lost it here we go he says i have much to say about this podcast but only one thing to ask are you telling me that the bedroom noodling has been self cock blocking this whole time because that is supernova level irony right there (laughs) (laughs) and i believe i mean i'm not gonna put words in adam's mouth or anything else but um (laughs) i think that what he is referring to is the fact that you know many people get into the the musicianship for the ladies yeah well and 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 he's referring to in 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 number nine uh, a comment you you sort of made uh, around um perhaps having been in the bedroom of a of a young gentleman uh, on a sort of date-like thing, you know, prior to having uh, consummated the relationship, if you will, and they whip out a, a guitar to to sing you a song, right? Or, I mean, I think I, I think most ladies have had this experience. Um, uh, the idea, like, oh, why don't you come back to my dorm room? I'll play this song, and then you think that's a line, which would be fine. Like that. That's like come back and see my etchings. Yeah, you, I mean, at that point, if you're going to his dorm room, you know right. what's up. The song is not inherent to that question. That is just pretense. But then sometimes it is not actually pretense, and in fact, the person then plays for like an hour, and it's two in the morning, and you just want to go to sleep. <laughs> right, and uh, the thrill is gone, if you will. Yeah. 
So, so uh, I guess you are telling him that I he's am telling him self cockblocking. He has stayed at my house several times with a guitar, never played guitar in my bedroom. So that's positive. Um, but I, I think, like, in case we have any high school or college male uh, listeners, which we probably don't. Um, or I guess females. I, I don't know. I don't know how that would work if a if a lady brought you back to their uh, dorm room and then played guitar incessantly instead of making out with you. Would that be equally annoying? Yeah, it would probably. Be. Yeah, if you play guitar, uh, particularly acoustic guitar, and someone has come back to your bedroom, they just actually want to make out with you. Probably. Put the guitar down. Yeah, put it down, and you know maybe you strum it once or twice, pull off a riff, and then. Right. Yeah. I, I, I mean, and if it's a song to the other person, that's one thing. I mean, that would be one nice song. But usually it's like Smoke on the Water. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just going to be one again, nice song. Yeah. And not Smoke on the Water. That yeah. is not a nice song. No, that's not a nice song. Like, a good song. Iron Man, no. <laughs> no, don't play a lady Iron Man. And 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 for Pete's sake, no Stairway to Heaven. No, nothing that's over three minutes, basically. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Right. That's true. I th- I think that's good advice. So when you've um, begun playing the guitar, you can only lose status <laughs> in the bedroom. That's what I'm saying. It's yours to lose, is what you're saying. <laughs> right. There's nothing. There's no guitar ability that would be more likely to make me have sex with someone if I'm already in their bedroom. There's okay. only more guitar playing that will make me leave their bedroom. Okay. So uh, Adam, if you're listening, uh, that is Jenny's <laughs> advice to you. She is telling you that it has been self cock blocking this entire time. Although Adam is engaged, so I feel like perhaps he figured that out. Yeah. I mean, I would think so, eventually. I mean, and he's also at a point where, you know, uh, probably now, since, you know, he... If he's, you know, maybe he's, he was he was meeting ladies, I suppose, you know, after the show. I mean, he just spent an hour, an hour and a half playing, right? So, um, why you bother? Know. But I think yeah, that exactly. if ladies are paying to come see you play, that's maybe a different situation because uh-huh. maybe those ladies would want to see you play guitar in their bedroom. It's true. It's I, I, more tolerable. Mm-hmm. Well, it, yeah, perhaps it is more tolerable, but I bet you still there's that moment when. When it's still like, all right, well, I I did want to make out with you, but now I'm. <laughs> but now I just of, really want to go to sleep. Now I'm just tired. Yeah. All right, we're in. I mean, I tell you, we are clearing up all sorts of things for for, <laughs> for the folks who uh, who wish to uh, comment here, uh, which they can do so at selloutpodcast.com or uh, go to our Facebook page. Um, we have a paltry number of likes at this point, so any any additional likes would be fantastic. Um, I think. I, I'm willing and we to say will not that. spam you. There's not a lot of input. no. We're not spamming you, and and I mean, you know, we we haven't made a full force effort yet to really do the social media. But even when we do, um, we won't uh, we won't uh, push it too far. And then uh, we didn't really get to follow up on comments to podcast number eight with our pal uh, Toby, uh, which was another enjoyable one. The get off my lawn. Uh, episode about some um, lovely fan lovely art thank you i have to commend you i was very inspired for that one and you might be able to tell (laughs) there was a there was quite a bit of photoshopping going on in that one and i enjoyed every second of it it's partly now just an excuse to get microphones and play with photoshop that's good. I'm glad that this is a creative outlet for you that other people are forced to listen to. <laughs> I mean, we, we're holding guns <laughs> to nobody's head. Yeah. There's no force at all, um, but we, we, it's an invitation. It's an invitation <laughs> to fun and hilarity. Um, 
But uh, we did get a comment from Laura, uh, who, who we know, uh, who now hails from Stanton, Virginia. And uh, she asked, if uh, Toby marries a lady named Molly, would they be a couple who hear that people give dogs their names all the time? And what does I, and why does anyone say that? I I know that Toby's wife is not named Molly. Yeah, so I will not reveal her name for I don't know Perhaps, secrecy. Well, Just, yeah, she didn't ask to come onto the show. Only she Toby did not. Did. Yeah. Um, but her name is not Molly. Okay, so that's uh, that. Pretty much answers that. <laughs> So there we are. We've wrapped up uh, follow up on uh, on uh, our various shows. We're always interested in getting your um, getting your uh, feedback, your comments at either the uh, right here at the podcast well website selloutpodcast dot com. Um, also, we might as well say right now, you know, we we could really use uh, you to like us or whatever, uh, rate us, leave a comment in the iTunes. Since that really they, helps. They have a big magic formula that no one really understands. It's more obscure than uh, than Google page ranking on how uh, podcasts are featured or 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 made to be more prominent. But it seems to be that uh, people clicking stars and leaving comments does uh, or leaving reviews that is seems to matter. And I mean, this week we get this comment from Adam. This is I have much to say, but one question: I want to know what the other stuff you have to say is. Yeah, yeah, yeah Adam. but you know, so we'll make this interactive. Um, yes, I've been looking into uh, doing maybe a, doing kind of a live stream where we could at least get comments back through um, through chat or something. Um, and I think we might be able to pull this off in the near future. And, and we could even like if you're here because um, it get really complex if you're on Skype and we tried to Skype yeah, no. additional people in. I'd probably lose my mind, but. Um, <laughs> If you were here, I think we may be able to then – we could even have someone Skype in and patch him into the board. Oh, cool. I, I might need a flunky for that. I might need someone could to help operate Could we say, go ahead equipment. and call her? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> it's, it's fun. I mean, I've done that on a real radio Are you radio saying we show. need an intern? Yeah, we really need an intern. <laughs> <laughs> I, I work at a major university. I should, be able to, I should be able to pull that off, right? Yeah, really. Seriously. <laughs> You know, uh, the guy who who was sort of my intern when I when I was doing a broadcast show um, uh, probably would not do it. <laughs> he's got his own radio show, and at this at this point, he probably oh, he's progressed beyond intern. But yeah, we need he's a law student now. A greener, so a greener intern. We need someone greener who can operate the controls. Although this room isn't that big, I'm not sure how many people we can it's pack true. in here. Uh, and I'm not ready to 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 get bigger digs, but. Yeah. Uh, but we may do that. Uh, we could see how that can go. But uh, I, I, I think we're uh, we're firing in all cylinders here. We're I mean we're at episode ten. I'm not sure if any of our friends thought we'd get past episode one. Sure. So big ups to us. Congratulations, uh, Jenny. Congratulations, Paul. I think uh, I think this this is a good sign that we are uh, we're relatively serious about this. You don't even know. How many podcasts I've had in my iTunes feed that stop at like six or seven? Yeah, it's true. Where I've gone, wow, I kind of like that, and now it's been three months, and and we've been relatively consistent in two per month. Yeah, if not precisely fourth fortnightly. It's I don't. Been two I don't think. Month. I mean, I don't. I don't mean to speak for our listeners because I would like them to speak for themselves. But I guess also as a as a podcast listener, how frequently something comes out is totally not relevant to me. You know, it dep- I, I would say it um, it it depends is the way I would put it because um, 
if it's something I really like, right, which is very few to be to be frank, but there's something I really like then, and it doesn't come out on a regular basis, and it's a little frustrating. Um, I just listen to them all in one go. I do that too, and and I can also there uh, also right if they come out too frequently, I can get so far behind. Oh yeah, that's frustrating. That's I mean I think I have more of a problem with that. That happens more frequently to me. And it really depends on the podcast. So for podcasts that are more interviewee as we would call it in the biz evergreen so you know maybe someone's promoting something but it's not like it's you whatever they're promoting has to be present and current um kind of like a mark maron's podcast for the most part it's fairly evergreen you know if you listen to one for six months ago you're not really you're not gonna miss very much but then you have some of them that are like the this week in you know tech podcasts you know like this week in tech or this week in photo or something and yeah those i quickly because they often can run like 90 minutes or two hours each and they're who weekly. has that kind of time yeah I, I mean you know i guess if you if you got a lot of if you do a lot of commuting uh either in the car or in the uh, or on public transport and maybe you got an hour a day yeah i mean you you know sure i could see that but most of the time yeah i just get behind and then i get frustrated and i don't listen so uh yeah you know i think regularity is good but more than once a week you know is too much too much for me certainly but i don't uh, even want to hear you talk that much (laughs) (laughs) Um. well then i think it's great this will be our shortest podcast ever jenny (laughs) so i was gonna ask if you have a thing this week a thing a thing oh uh yeah a thing i like Uh uh-huh you know i i don't (laughs) You don't have a thing. I have a thing. Okay, I can. I'll think you. of something in the in the interim while to, you. Come you don't up have with, to have a thing. While you if come nothing up moves with you, thing. you should come up with an artificial. Something thing. has moved me, but Jenny, I've been in such a weird space for the last like ten days that it. it I mean, it's. I'm a little. Like, I've been relatively calm <laughs> and fairly unperturbable, which also means not terrifically excited about very much. Even when this damn audio phase didn't work, I, I barely commenced to swearing. Hmm. I think so. that maybe is good. Is that good? I, I don't know. It's, it feels good. That's good. <laughs> so, I'm, I'm glad you're happy, even mildly. Yeah, I'm sort of mildly happy. So what's your thing? So my thing is a book called Level 7. It's a. It's came out in 1959, and it's a science fiction book. Um, the author's name, which I think is awesome, is Mordecai Rochwald. <laughs> Which sounds totally made up to me, but I think that's his real name. But it's uh, about World War Three, and it's sort of this dystopia um, where people have to move underground. And he made like a big point of not saying there's no country names. So you don't know if the people in the book are our side or the other side. You know, mm. I mean, in the Cold War being communists. So he makes a very like concerted effort to not tell you whose side you're sort of rooting for um so that's kind of cool so i really enjoyed it and it's especially cool in retrospect just you know it's clearly a book that came out in a time when people were super paranoid about nuclear war and it was a really obvious threat to them um so it's pretty cool so i have a thing you have a thing it's software and it's really nerdy okay um i've started using omnifocus Oh, I've been using OmniFocus. Maybe and, that's why you're so calm. <laughs> that would be a that would be a very strange, um, a, a, a very strange cause and effect. I don't know. 
Um, so OmniFocus is a piece of software that's intended for you to kind of get your shit together. Um, it's especially for people who use a system called Getting Things Done, uh, which is aimed mostly at knowledge workers and nerds, and especially people, I think, who have ADHD or OCD. But it, it is a way for you to organize tasks and projects, but trying to provide as little friction as possible. It's like because, a to-do list. Yes, and I've tried a lot of to-do lists. Yeah. And I haven't, a single one is not stuck. They, they've all fallen down for me one way or another. And part of it is that sometimes a simple to-do list, things are not organized enough. Mm-hmm. And you can turn, and then sometimes you can organize them into sort of categories, but it, it, it still it never seems to be quite enough organization. And then there's the bigger to do list where it seems to be there's too much organization. It requires too much input and fiddling, and then I lose it. And of course, syncing is important, right? Yes. At, at this moment in time, right? Um, I am multi device dependent, and I realize there's some people who have like a little book. And that works for them, and that's great. I've tried the Moleskine. Uh, I, I've tried, you know, the little notebook, and I lose it, or I forget it, and I start another, and I've got four unfinished to-do lists, and I'm done. So that doesn't work for me. And so I, I did buy a copy for my Mac, and I bought a copy for my iPad, and it's been mostly working for me now. So I, I think I like it. Um, I haven't committed to it fully, I would say. I go in and out. But... Um, my issue is that you have to buy a separate there it's pretty expensive I would say it's come down in price quite a bit okay now through like the app store it's more in the uh, it was nineteen dollars for the iPad version and it was thirty something for the Mac version so it's, it's oh, that come down quite bad. a bit yeah the, and I have some credits to use so it, uh, you know I already have me money. up man uh, <laughs> um, so yeah, no, I feel like the i the iPhone version used to be thirty bucks, and yep. I was like, that's ridiculous. So now I might commit fully because I the, the inability to have it on my iPhone has really like hampered the system. Mm-hmm. But I agree, it's very it's very cool, and it can I think it syncs with your iCal too, although I don't do that. Yeah, it can sync with a number of things. Right now, it's just syncing with itself, and you can they provide a service. Uh, to allow it to sync, or you can use any number of other services to make it sync. Um, and I did that um, myself because I'm paranoid. Um, but it, it, I, I like it. And it is what I like about it is it gives you the opportunity to just dump things in there. And then you can process them as you like. And it does remind you, but it's not particularly obnoxious about it. And, uh, yeah, I, I think it's uh, – so far it's working. We'll see. It's, it's, I, also, I also enjoy it has context, which for me is useful yeah. because if something's like a computer context, well, then maybe I could do that at work when I have like 10 extra minutes mm-hmm. as opposed to like why am I spending my time at home doing this because I'll do things that have a home context. Yeah, I really like that. Yeah, tasks that, that, you know, work in a particular context. And some people even use it for, like, you know, the context can be, you know, Safeway. <laughs> like, oh, right. I needed beans. And uh, and, and, you, and you would look it up. And, and that helps, too, because there are times both at home when I'm wanting to do work or when I'm at work and want to do work. And you get kind of like, you're like, oh, what is it I have to do? You know, you just get a little lost and swimmy. And you kind of look at it and go, oh, okay, in this context, there's this. Well, I can start working on this. So we'll see. Um, I, again, I've tried many to-do lists and I've, I've, I'm not a true 
getting things done guy. I'm not a full devotee, but I I sort of, a lot of the core kind of concepts I'm down with the idea that, um, carrying around, I, uh, things in your head, your to-do list in your head generally doesn't work. Yeah. I can't go to sleep if I have not put something on my list. I mean, that's even before OmniFocus. So I feel like for me, that's useful. I mean, I even have lists. I have lists like, I'm bored. What are things in the city I've always wanted to do? Um, because there's that time when you're like, oh, I have an afternoon free. What should I do? Yep. I don't know. And like places I want to travel to and things like that. So, Yep. I'm working towards that. And, that, and yeah. it's helpful. I mean, because uh, I'm happy when I'm productive uh, by and large. So I think that uh, so far I, I'm liking it. Well, maybe at some point it will be the report back as to whether it's actually – whether it's stuck. But so far um, – so far, it's sticking pretty good. So that's the uh, things we like. We don't have a better. We has we we need a little. Like, I like things we like. I like things it. we like. Okay, and I'll, I'll to get a little jingle, a stinger, as we as we call it. Yeah, well, if someone has a biz. has a preferred a preferred uh, term, yeah, or yeah, I'm I'm open. I'm open. But we'll we'll stick with things we like because it, boy, it's obvious. Yeah, I like things. <laughs> I like things. In fact, I'm trying to like things less and less, actually. But. Actually, I hate because as, as I've just moved, I hate everything. I'm like, why do I have any belongings? Well, me too. And, and of course, the guy who just bought the audio interface says. Um, right. But it, it, that, that's it. It's, just, it's a battle for me these days of, of being trying to be very careful about the objects I add into my life. And that's why it took me two years to buy this darn thing. See, yeah, no, I I have a blog post about this recently. And it's funny because everyone reacted to it in a way that was like, oh, I also try and throw things out. I'll just take a picture and throw things out. But I feel like my issue is not getting rid of things because I'm very ruthless about getting rid of things. Mm -hmm. My issue is buying things I actually need Yeah, that are important like that, like where – I could have been enjoying this thing for two years, but I have chosen not to. Yeah. I mean, and for me, it's not, it wasn't a matter of enjoy or not enjoy. I tend to be, well, I tend to have had this pattern, right. And, and of, of sort of buying something aspirationally. Right. So, Oh, I, I was going to go record a bunch of crazy music, but before I can do that, I have to get the fancy audio interface. Oh, right. Right. And then you get it and you don't do it. Or you do it like once, and then it just kind of falls by the wayside, right? And and I'm I'm at this point sort of hyper conscious of the tendency, and 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 it's a very you know a very nerd tendency, and I, I mean I'm sure you know it, it expresses itself in men and women differently, but I'm well, I think it's also think thought of as sort of like a perfectionist procrastination technique as well. Like I can't possibly do any right. music because I don't have this thing. Exactly. And, and on the one hand, you know, I've often, uh, com- often been able to go blast right through that, you know, uh, for instance, uh, back in the nineties, I w- uh, when I had a lot more time on my hands and I was younger, uh, I, um, I really wanted to get into digital audio recording, so I went and got like the only sound card I could afford, <laughs> which at the time, because there weren't a lot of them, and just made it all work, right? And it was just making crazy crap on my computer with audio collage and whatever. And I didn't care whether that was the right way, wrong way, or whatever else. You know, I was just willing, I just wanted to do it badly enough. And, and of course, like, you know, never went to bed before 4 a.m., so there's a lot, of, a lot of time without other people to do that sort of thing. And then later on, though, we'd get in more into the Because you, you played a guitar to a girl in a bedroom, didn't you? <laughs> I've never played a guitar to a girl in a bedroom. At least not one that I was hoping to sleep with. 
Why would you play a guitar guitar to a girl in a bedroom if you weren't trying to sleep with her? Uh, it's door rooms are not bedrooms. You <laughs> I mean dorm it's rooms? True. You know, serve multiple purposes. So well, you know, I, I will, I will, I will also point. Now out I that, know why that girl was so confused. <laughs> I will also point out uh, someone of the gender you enjoy sleeping with does not want to hear you play guitar unless. <laughs> Unless they are sleeping unless, with you. Yeah. Well, Even all right. then they don't want to, but they will put up with it. Well, lesson learned. Um, it's yeah. about 20 years too late. Yeah, uh, sorry. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so, um, but I know what it's like to be in that space of like, well, it, you know, but if if I don't have the fancy SLR camera, I can't do this or, or whatever. And, um, you know, but I think you're right. It is a way of procrastinating. It's a way of, of saving yourself from failure in a way of, of, you know, not having to ever test yourself to be good enough to be able to pull something off. If, if you, the real reason you can't do it is because you don't got the right gear. Right. Cause when you have the right gear and you, if you fail anyway, then no one's to blame, but you know, exactly. Whereas if you didn't have the right gear, you can always blame the gear. Um, you know, and, 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 you know, and it, it is one of these, uh, tropes that, that certainly, um, constantly rears its head in, in just about any sort of artist circles, but in particular, you know, it, it seems to happen in, in the, the circles where technology and art and hobby kind of converge. So it seems like that happens a lot with, uh, musicians where, you know, especially like rock musicians where having a cool guitar or amp or effects pedals or whatever else kind of crap musician needs is is pivotal to some people or uh, certainly photographers can can drive you nuts you know you know it's the uh and and the worst thing you know to me that ever happened with all this stuff is the fucking internet (laughs) well i think that that those two things are because the the two genres you discuss i mean it, it seems like there are a lot of people in both of those genres who are in it only to talk about gear and not because they enjoy playing guitar or taking photos Right. I mean, they want to take pictures of of test charts and brick walls and any yeah. sort of any sort of circumstance that completely tests the extremes of of the camera's abilities. Never mind that those extremes are are rarely encountered, or something which you know, working photographers long ago figured out how to avoid, and no one noticed. Right. They should maybe apply for a job at Consumer Reports. <laughs> Exactly. Or the underwriter's laboratory. <laughs> and for not enough jobs in those places. But you do <laughs> true. you do see that and you'll see also, you know, the great thing is is you know, if you, I'll read some some photography blogs and then there'll be comments, you know, and, and someone will say, Well, this new camera just come out and they'll say, Well, I can't possibly be any good because this, 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 and this and this, you know, this whole litany of reasons why this thing they've never touched and never seen is hasn't even been released can't possibly be any good. Although we're in this period where like making photos look worse is kind (laughs) of like the thing to do (laughs) and i think it's i was reading a a blog the other day that was um i I don't know how i got to it It it's probably through some pinteresty thing so i deserved it but um it was some mom who blogged and she she had her her top 10 you know iphone apps and literally nine of them were to to uh, do something to your photos before you got it into Instagram. Okay. <laughs> Which like blew my mind that like this person had like 10 ap- applications for, for Instagramming a photo. For, for extra Instagramming. 
Right, right. For making a photo. Pre-Instagramming. And some of them, like, one just put words in it. Like, you could put words over the photo. That sounds like scrapbooking to me. Yeah, no, it's, it, does, it is very similar. It's, but, like buying, it's like buying stick-on letters at uh, Joanne Fabrics. Right. But I, I, I really do wonder, like, what is this fascination with, like, making your photos look worse now? Well, you know, it, it all started because it was sort your of... Fault. Huh, it was what? Is it your fault? That's <laughs> not my fault. Uh, but it, it all kind of came from, the, from the, the, the sort of lamography movement, which itself sort of was coincident with an art photography movement, right? That was using shitty toy cameras in a way because they're trying to get away from the perfectionism sort of artifice of photography, right? And and this sort of all focusing on sharpness or resolution or any number of other technical qualities and get back to, you know, sort of refocusing only on like composition and subject matter, right? And leaving aside these other things. So I think it all comes from that and is nostalgic, you know, because right. they're making them look like our instamat the instamatic camera I had when I was seven years old. Right, and you can like print them out and have like a whole bunch that look like Polaroids. <laughs> right, exactly. It just blows my mind. Yeah, but I mean, it it is in the same way that you know there were how once CDs became settled, you started hearing you know as an effect almost though, but there were records that would add uh, CDs or, or albums that add in like record crackle. Right. And yeah, that's professionals though. I mean, I wonder I feel like there isn't a lot of iPhone, say, or iPad apps, or maybe they're just not popular, maybe they exist, but it doesn't seem like they did a good job of um, having applications that actually made your pictures better. I mean, I have, like, the Photoshop one, and it's not very useful or good, um, and it doesn't, like, really affect your pictures in this as as much as, like something one of these nine instagram applications <laughs> does so i mean i wonder if if that's also part of it is like people want to make their photos look distinctive but there's not really an easy way to do that that would make them better well i mean better how i'm i mean you know that's a, that's a it's true that's a tough well, qualifier I mean, editing i mean in, in a way in traditional editing there's now a paid Photoshop for the iPad that's pretty good. There's some video editing applications now that are pretty good um, that are more about, if not better, providing you with precise control over, over image manipulation, more a la regular Photoshop rather than um, sort of these presets which you know give you a, a, a defined specific look. Rather than right, control. but I, I guess that's what I'm saying is like I feel like if you're the kind of person who uses Photoshop a lot, that's fine. But like if you're the kind of person who has a kid and wants to take awesome weird photos of your kid, perhaps something along the Photoshop line that made it easier for those people. It, I think if those if that sort of application existed, then we wouldn't be like let's just make every photo look like 1977. Well, I don't know. I mean, I I think that's I think there's an extent to which people want that, so. <laughs> <laughs> they're doing that and there are apps there are apps out there there's one called best camera uh -huh. which is a little less of the um it's a little less of the let's make it look retro and a little more of like let's give it distinctive looks that aren't necessarily recalling back to a lo-fi or whatever there's a variety right, of looks plastic plastic bullet does that too it's like toy camera yeah but the, 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 the best camera doesn't try to emulate any of that so that's right. why it's a bit more of like giving you some some looks that are more about giving you control to manipulate your photo and make it distinctive without making it just look like it came out of an Instamatic or a Polaroid or something like that. I, I like that. 
yeah, I would like to know what percent. I think in order to use any of these, you you should have to like admit to whether you've actually used the camera you're emulating. <laughs> because age wise, I bet most people who are using Instagram have never used a Polaroid camera. Probably. I mean, I, I personally, uh, I, I, I'm not particularly bothered by it in either oh, which way. Oh, I'm not bothered. I just think it's funny. Yeah, it is funny. I agree. Um, I know I mean, people who are bothered, but I'm, it doesn't bother me. Well, I think it's, but we're at this interesting moment when probably photography has never been more popular. And it's because yeah. we now have this multi-purpose device that happened to include a camera. Right. And And it was only really with the first generation iPhone along with other other phones that came out that time but really the first generation iPhone did did they not include a camera that sucked like they were camera phones but they're all pretty shitty they're all like 1 megapixel grainy and whatever and that first iPhone camera was the first one where they where Apple engineered it just a little bit better so that if you it didn't just look like shit <laughs> And that's right. sort of, and then you know, and then other manufacturers are able to duplicate it. And now, you know, pretty much all smartphones have decent cameras on them. But it was that was sort of the the turning point where it went from you know folks who hadn't thought about having a camera in so long, you know, and didn't care or want to mess with a, a digital camera. In part because I think I don't know if if you've ever seen people do this, but the people who just all the ca- all the pictures were on the card in the camera, they never yeah, came off. Yeah, it makes me um, very upset, and it. <laughs> It makes me really freak out. I don't like it. You know, because they're like, well, I, I don't know how to put it on the computer, and it's just a big pain. So here, just take a look at my photos on the back of the thing, and then I take it in the Walgreens, and uh, and the guy helps me print out my photos. Well, at least those people so, – you know, I, everyone I know who does that does not print out their photos. Right, yeah. They just keep it on that thing. Yes, it's very secure. It's very- I've had a friend's boyfriend – we we conspired to take the the card out of her camera and <laughs> and put them on a computer, and then he sent them to me because they, half of them are aware of me. <laughs> and you and yeah, and I have never seen these photos. Yeah, yeah. So, so well, and then I think then you know with the camera phone, it, all of a sudden now there's a there's a way to do this. You know, and I can just email it to myself or post it to Facebook or whatever, and. And, uh, you know, which I think is a good thing. And the fact yeah. that people were all of a sudden interested in, in, in manipulating them and everything is also a good thing. But I think with, with any such trend, it's always going to get to a point. It's like the bacon trend uh, where it, it, it goes from <laughs> being from being cute and kitschy and being kind of like, oh, isn't that, that? I never thought of that. That's cool. That's new to being like, oh, leave me alone. You know, with it, it's it's overwhelming. When everyone's doing it, then it's a little less interesting. At least to me, I, I'm a little burned out on it, and um, and uh, you know, not not so interested. Oh, hi. Uh, you've reached the halfway point of episode number 10 of Jitty and Paul Sellout. Uh, this is Paul again, just uh, reminding you that we would really love it if you would go to iTunes and either rate or review the program. That helps other people find out about it due to the magic Apple algorithm. Like us on Facebook, too, or uh, check out our Twitter at Sellout Podcast. Of course, the website is selloutpodcast.com where you get all the instructions for uh, listening to the program on Stitcher Radio or subscribing on iTunes, or you can leave comments there. And as you heard at the beginning of the program, we read the comments, 
We like them, and we will answer them here on the podcast and and on the website. Uh, So we can have a conversation of the sort that you're never going to have with Terry Gross or Ira Glass. So we are we are really your own Ira Glass and uh, Terry Gross, and and we're even in Chicago. So uh, leave that comment at selloutpodcast.com or send us an email to jpsellout at gmail.com. And hey, you should know coming up on episode 11, Dr. Kyle Reismandel, PhD, returns to the Sellout Podcastatorium for a discussion about Rush. Yes, Rush, the Canadian band, the three monsters of Canadian rock. We're going to talk about the band, their fans, why uh, Jenny should like them, even though she's never really, really listened to them, and how metal they they aren't. So that's coming up on episode 11. you got things to look forward to. But right now, you've got to finish episode number 10, where we really get into it now. We really get down into why you don't need the thing to do the thing. But, uh, you know, I, I think we, we've been sort of beating around the, the fringes of the, of, of, of the topic here of how the, the sort of whether or not you can just go and do something, right? And whether, and, and on the one hand, there is, oh, I need that thing, right? I need that super guitar or I need the better whatever before I can do the thing, right? Or the other thing, right, is a degree, uh, you know, as someone who works in higher education, <laughs> should know, and, so, and somebody who has uh, started and not finished two PhD programs, <laughs> I know a few things about that. You, my friend, finished your master's program. I did. I have finished every degree program I have started. You, you have that uh, credential. I do. Your your master's of science. I do. Now, now, actually, I, I, I wonder. So, you know, in what you've been doing professionally, right. uh, Most recently. Would you need that credential to get that job, or does it just merely help and have provided you the training, the actual training that you would need to do the job and understand it? I'd say that half, about half the people uh, don't have the degree, and then the other half do. Mm-hmm. So, um, I, but in mine, like if people interview for for jobs for me, uh, which I do taxonomy, which is this extremely specialized, weird field. Um, and so, like, when people interview, if they have a library degree, I definitely – there's a lot of things I don't have to ask because I know they know all this stuff. So, right. I mean, it definitely helps. Um, I would say – I mean, I would prefer to hire only people who have a library degree, but realistically, there's just not enough people who do it to have that sort of level of specificity or, you know. Um, but I, I think in, in my field specifically – having experience doing it is far more impressive than any degree you'll ever have. So, I mean, if you can point to a site that has your taxonomy or, you know, you can give me print copies of ones you've made, um, that will far more show me that you have the actual ability to do this than any degree. Because lots of people go to library school and then just take classes about reference librarianship. That doesn't help you. <laughs> like, it's it's the same underlying theories, but like, if you haven't actually done this before, it's not super helpful. Mm-hmm. In the same way, like, if you go to, if you train as a police cadet, that's probably great. But until you, like, go out on the street with a gun, <laughs> you're probably not going to want that guy to, like, back you up. Mm-hmm. You know? 
So it's that sort of, I think, practical experience. But I think more so than any other field, not that I've been in a ton of fields, but like before I got my library degree, you could sort of BS your way into a job into a job that you didn't have a lot of experience in, um, in the fields I looked at, um, especially web fields. Uh, <laughs> but the, more so than any of those, I feel like experience is far more important. Mm hmm. Yeah, you know, I mean, I, I have such uh, conflicted uh, feelings about uh, higher, especially master's degrees in particular. Uh, you know, and, and I work in higher education. I support master's degrees, and, you know, it, it's, it, with technology. Um, <laughs> you support the idea. I support the idea. But, you know, I, I support actual programs. And, and you know, and, and, and at the one level, I mean, I think, I mean, I think education is a good thing. And I think that um structured well well done education can be very useful and and sometimes for a lot of people be more useful than being an autodidact but i also think there's a lot of value in being an autodidact in in learning on your own or learning on the job or learning through experience or simply teaching yourself whether it's woodworking or working on cars or taxonomy uh you know and i don't think that that is is lesser by any means. And, um, you know, and, and one of the, one of the, I think, you know, advantages of school is that it is structured most of the time and it is organized and people will make commitments to school that they might not make to learning otherwise. So, you know, let's say if you're a working professional and you, and you get into like a master's degree program for working professionals, you know, you will take that Saturday or those evenings that you probably might have a hard time committing to education otherwise, and you'll dedicate it to that. And the fact that you'll have deadlines and tests and exams yeah. and papers will will help you with the discipline necessary to do those things. And I think that well, can be very good. Yeah, I agree with that. And then I think also you meet a community of people who can help you out. Yes. So like three years from now, if one of those people you went to school with has a job opening, they might think of you. Right. And and so those can all be very good things. Um, and then if you go to school full time, again, often it's done with, you know, with some kind of structure to help you eat and stay alive at the same time that you're going to school so that you can you can focus all the more. And, and that can be a very good thing as well. But I'm also kind of critical of this notion of sort of competitive education. And like I need I need to get this degree to get ahead. I need, I, you know, and, and when it's a bit more ambiguous, right? And and it's you know it's this interesting phenomenon when uh, unemployment goes up, uh, so does the admission to graduate school, right? Sure, because <laughs> you don't have a job, right? Or or even if you know, and it's not even because it, it is it is people who don't have jobs, or it is people who have jobs, but but look around and say, oh my gosh, look at this, you know, look look how tight the job market is. So I need to be even more hyper competitive in it. Right. right. I need to push myself even further forward in it, um, and be even more marketable, whatever you name it. Um, you know. But of course, what happens in that is then, well, sure. But if we're purely counting people on whether or not they have an MBA, for instance, well, now even more people have MBAs. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's right. not setting I mean, you I apart. Think I have a particular degree where that's very relevant, where, you know, a lot of people who have no interest in, in practicing librarianship get the master's degree. Um, and in case you do not know, you have to you have to have the master's degree to perform as a librarian. It's like legally 
not legally, but like that's any any sort of library is not going to hire someone without a master's degree. It's right. just not. It's thing. sort of like uh, lawyering. I mean, it's not actually required sure. by law, but by and large, you need it. If you have a professional library, yeah. If you have like any sort of public library, maybe in, if you're in like the tiniest public library in the middle of nowhere, they probably don't care. But the great majority, the great majority do. Um, so, I mean, I think there are a lot of people who get my degree and it kind of like a master's degree in English or something who have no interest in actually, you know, teaching English or becoming a librarian, but they're like, I have a English degree and I don't really know what to do with it. So I guess I'll continue on in this degree and get this degree. And maybe that will like give me time to figure out what I actually want to do. And also like make me competitive because Mm -hmm. it shows I have a master's degree. (laughs) Um, So, I mean, I find that annoying because it devalues my degree. I guess. Because I actually want to do what my degree <laughs> Well, I'm not sure it devalues your degree, but, I mean, how does it devalue it? Well, I feel like there's... I, I mean, I feel like the more people who get accepted to my program, first of all, makes my... Uh, uh, makes it less competitive. I mean, I don't feel that way, but, like, that's technically how competitiveness of... So when a potential employer is looking at it and saying, oh, well, you you graduated from the the top program in the country as opposed to number 25. Right. And also, you know, with a lot of online programs, it's kind of like, oh, well, the place you got um, a degree from now gives like 300 degrees a year. So that's not very many people. (laughs) I mean, that's so many people. Like, you know, it's not it's not as it's not. They're, the admissions department is there to make sure you actually want to do what their right. stated thing is. That's why, like, you know, Yale could – Yale and Harvard and Stanford could accept everyone and then, you know, most people would probably flunk out, right? But they don't because – They're selective uh, for a real reason in addition to being selective. Right. And the selectiveness makes them, you know – gives them a better name so i think in that way it's kind of like oh we haven't really checked if this person has any interest in doing this job i mean i have a professional degree so it's a little bit different but um well i'm also really critical i'm also somewhat critical of this whole ranking system uh since at this point you know the, the ranking starts to be ranking at one point was supposed to be a measure of things that are difficult to measure and now the ranking is an end in and of itself Right. So at one point there was a time in this universe when no when when you know people knew of course that say Harvard, right? One of the most prestigious oldest you know universities in the United States is a great university. But you know with regard to Harvard versus Yale or you know or versus Reed College, eh, you know people had opinions. You know and, and and there was a time when there wasn't a ranking when you could look at it and go national research universities, boom, 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 or, you know, national liberal arts colleges, boom, 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 et cetera. And then it gets to the point when, you know, when these universities, and they do, I know this, start making decisions for the purposes of their ranking, you know, they start trying to basically game the, uh, the ranking procedure rather than being focused on other factors and and it it can be you know it's probably less of a problem at harvard and yale but far more of a problem at school number 50 which really 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 wants to be school number 40 yeah i don't i mean i think like the rating system isn't i mean obviously i hate the rating system but i think it's inherently stupid because 
okay, it's the number one school for who? Like right. maybe not me, but mm-hmm. um, and I mean in the same way, like uh, a friend of mine lives in San Francisco, and um, he is has a lot of friends and family in the in the Chinese immigrant community there, and there's all these buses of Chinese immigrants who are visiting America who will take a tour bus to Stanford just to take photos because. It is their dream that their children will go there. They don't know anything about it. They just know it's like a really famous, important college and it's in the West. So there's Mm -hmm. more Asian people. And so that idea like, okay, but is your kid even interested in anything they're good at? Like maybe, maybe your kid doesn't, maybe your kid would like to become a mechanic. Like maybe your kid, and I'm not, I'm, Maybe there's a school that specializes in something that is way more interesting to your kid, you know? Well, it becomes um, this problem where people, I mean, it, it, it becomes, again, this, it's, it's a new version of the just follow these rules, right? So, uh, you know, back, you know, if we look 50 years ago when um, you had a lot more privilege as a white male, right? The idea was like, well, you go to school. Or you you know you you follow your dad into a trade or whatever, and you do these things and you do them right, and you're you'll be taken care of. And this is like the new version. Well, get into the right you know college, which may require getting into the right high school and study hard, which may have required getting into the right you know uh, private elementary school and do all these things right and do all these things, and you get to go to Harvard or Stanford or pick your school, and then and then you get to go get the right you know fantastic job. And everything is set, but you know, of course, the the qualifications keep going up and up and up and up. And as you mentioned, it's not right for everybody. In fact, it may be right for only a few people. And it, of course, it ignores the fact that if someone's someone who comes into Harvard already with a ton of privilege is probably still going to have a leg up compared to somebody <laughs> who who maybe is a first generation going to college and on scholarship. You know, I'm not saying that they will necessarily have different experiences and one will be more successful than the other. The other one, one just may not have to work as hard. <laughs> in the Wait, end so you're saying that people who are rich and white and have been here for a long time are privileged? Uh, yeah, in a yeah. Way that other- I know. I mean, yeah. <laughs> you mean you mean when George W. Bush went to Yale, <laughs> <laughs> he had a leg up. He, he, you mean his grades probably weren't so good? What <laughs> exactly? But I mean, it's part of you know. But it's part and parcel of, of the of this as well, though. The the I have to have this before I can do this. And, right. Well, I wonder if part of that is also too that. I mean, I think we're not admitting this yet, but I think. The reality of going to college, in addition to like learning some things, uh, which you probably won't remember, um, is the people you hang out with. So right. just like that business example, like, okay, yeah, George Bush went to – George W. Bush went to Yale and probably didn't do very well in his classes. But like it's – he also was in Skull and Bones and met all these people and that's why he's pre- he became president partially. Um, so I think maybe the idea of like who you meet – is probably more important in going to college now than it has ever been. Yeah, I mean, it may or may not be. I mean, I I, I, I don't know. I really don't know. I, I think that it can help. I think that, you know, nothing at this point, I don't really believe that anything is deterministic, but that certainly a leg up is a leg up. And, of course, it, it depends on you wanting to do the things, right? You know, a leg up in, in, in working in finance is very different than a different type of leg up into a different place. It, it sure. will matter. It will matter less if you want to uh, go ahead, go forward, and get a PhD in English literature. 
Right. Not, you'll still be able to do it, but it probably will. It will matter less in terms of whether or not you get that job down the line. Right. Um, it's they're, they're different systems, um, but but part of it is is that it, it's it, it's a system of qualification where it, where I feel like the, the qualification in 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 when things are ordered correctly, the qualification is stands in for is a representation of readiness, of ability, of you know, you, you can know that when someone has an MD that they are qualified to operate on you versus if they don't. And, and, and there's a real need for that sort of system, right? But the domains in which that's absolutely necessary are, are, are I think, in a lot of ways more limited than we're often led to believe. And instead, what it starts to stand in for is it stands in for, well, you know, we got we to gotta draw a line somewhere. You know, and working in higher education all the time, I look at, jo- I look at, you know, I'll look at other jobs, um, look at, you know, at other institutions and often it'll be like minimum qualifications, master's degree. And it'll be a job. It's what I do. Now, I didn't finish a master's degree. And, and, and why, why is there, why do they require a master's degree? Right. And, and the answer is because they can. Right. It, it's, right. It's, it's, it's a sorting mechanism. It is a, well, you know, I mean, we're, we're an institution of higher education and, you know we're in the credentialing business, so we ought to require the credential, and uh, you know, and that's fine. You can choose to do so, but it, it's not a. I don't work in a field where there are a lot of master's degrees in the field, and and where those master's degrees have demark very much. Um, I'm not saying you don't learn something, just so much as that, like as you mentioned in taxonomy, it's not necessarily something which would count for more than an equivalent number of years of experience or more experience. And it stops really, it stops being referring to anything in particular so much as it, it's a merit badge. Yeah. I mean, I think I, I do know that there are differences, even if you have a ton of experience and not the degree versus a person with a degree. But I think that's also partially like the self-selection of getting a master's degree in library science. Um, but I, yeah, obviously uh, higher ed is going to require that because not only because they can, but because, I mean, by having that master's degree, you're buying into that system. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's pr- it's more proof that you buy into the system, their product. Sure, I think it is, and and no one will admit it as such, but I think absolutely that that's true. And 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 for me, you know, I I I, I'm, I reflect back on myself. I okay, well, I'm in that system. I made this choice. So, you know, if if I care that much, then I can just go get some damn master's degree. <laughs> go finish something, go cobble together credits and see what I can do or not, you know, and, and I do think, you know, the choice is up to me and I'm not, I'm not, I, I hope I don't come across as bitter because I'm not at all bitter about it. For me, the more interesting question or conundrum is really for the individual and, and not in, in, in terms of making good decisions for myself or for oneself um, about getting into it and doing something that you want to do and not placing too many barriers in front of yourself to doing it. And, uh, and, and I think that, uh, you know, sitting there and going, well, like, Oh gosh, you know, I, I actually, what I really want to do is be an entrepreneur. You know, I really want to start my own business, but gosh, I can't do that till I finish an MBA. I don't know enough about business. So I, you know, I need to go, what I really need to do is go invest $90,000 in an MBA because that will give me everything I need. And then I'll be ready to be an entrepreneur and start my own business. And that's real reasoning. And, and I, you know, I'm not saying that 
that's wrong. But I also would say maybe it might actually be cheaper trying to be that entrepreneur first <laughs> until you reach a barrier <laughs> where you need uh, where where you need that extra education. Yeah, I mean, I wonder. We've previously talked about the idea that like uh, you, a lot of people don't have the ability to see a plan or no even know that they can plan mm-hmm. you know which is why the secret be, being very popular because it's like oh if you think about it and if you identify what you want it just happens and it's like no until you identify what you want it's it's never happening so mm-hmm. it's it's not so much that the secret is helping you it's that like you've actually identified a path to like your goals um and so i wonder if this is just uh you know, people see their goal, but they don't know how to get there. Like, oh, I want to be this entrepreneur. Okay, how have other people done it? Mm-hmm. They got an MBA. So. Right. All those, well, all those, they went to Stanford, right? right. And then they started Google in their garage. Right. <laughs> right. I mean, you know, and, 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 right. And in so much of it is, it is, and that's the interesting thing as well. And, and we, I don't know if we want to, I don't know if we really want to get go down this path, but it, I'll call it out. Is is that is that sort of it's it's what I see now is like that Steve Jobs effect, right? It's ever since you know the biography came out, and and then he died, uh, or actually he died and the biography came out. Right. Um, people have you know there's been this constant dissection of like, well, what did Steve you know because you know as this as this very you know successful entrepreneur and 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 the come and and he was able to come back and let Apple through this great renaissance. What what were these aspects about Steve Jobs that made him successful in this constant analysis or reanalysis? We're looking at it going, well, the Google guys went went to Stanford. You know, so going to Stanford, it's the it's the I, I really question how much guidance you can draw, some real instructional guidance you can draw from these examples, right? Because these are unique circumstances. And, and I'm willing to say that most people are in some unique circumstances. And it's not that I want to say you can't draw any inferences or get some data or advice but it's kind of hard to be Steve Jobs if you weren't, you know, born in the 50s, <laughs> came of, you know, became an adult in the 60s, you know, in the 60s and 70s. You know, I mean, there's in just Cupertino. so many factors. Yeah. Right. That are really right. And, 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 you know, or, you know, can you be, uh, you know, can, you know, can you be um, um, the, whatever the founder of Microsoft? I'm forgetting his name. Sergey Brin. Huh? And Larry Page. Oh, that, that's Google. Oh, sorry. Microsoft. <laughs> oh, uh. uh yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> Bill yeah. Gates. Bill Gates. You know, and as it turns out, Bill Gates, like, you know, basically lived near, you know, the University of Washington. And as a teenager in like, again, in like the 60s and 70s, spent all his spare time pounding away at a computer terminal when most other kids his age would never have seen one. Like, well, you can't yeah. recreate these circumstances. Did you Did you read the Isaacson biography of Steve Jobs? I have not. Well, so I haven't finished it, but I've read part of it. And I think if any – if and there's so many people who hate that biography. Um, and I think there's lots of things it does scrappily. But the thing I think it does is identify exactly this point you're making is, like, 
it sort of is a little treasure hunt where like Steve Jobs goes through his life and you know what like he meets this roommate and the roommate takes him to a farm that mm-hmm. has a- that they sell apples on and so he learns business structure and then you know that guy also teaches him how to meditate and like that teaches him all this stuff so i mean i think if anything i think that biography does well it is this like oh this is sort of like Steve Jobs just sort of through these being open to these life experiences, put all of this stuff together and was like, oh, okay, here's how you do this thing. And I think, you know, if, if you were to take a lesson and it's a very high level lesson, he was willing to go do stuff, whether or not he, anyone would have said he was qualified right. nor gave him permission. Well, and he was willing to talk people into how qualified he was. Right, right. You know, and I don't think you need to be, I don't think you need to be a salesman and I don't think because I you know I don't think you need to lie I don't think you need to be a salesman I don't think you necessarily have to be persuasive you know I'm I'm a bit more a fan of being sincere uh but not being afraid and, you know as as ways to do what do to do what you want to do and you and, and the other part is you know I don't think I particularly want to be CEO of Apple or or its equivalent right so I don't you know, <laughs> Right, uh, or else I, I I should have planned my you, life differently. You really, yeah, you really haven't been working very hard toward that goal. Um, it's interesting because I was listening to a podcast about how a lot of, um, you know, because that book, the Isaacson biography, it was obviously very popular in Silicon Valley. Um, but a lot of of like startup guys got out of you know got out of that book that the way to be successful is to be a, a really big dick. Yeah, to your right. Employees. And it sounds, and that's really interesting because I don't think that that's the thrust of the book. Um, but yeah, I mean, so I, I guess that's just another example that, like, you know, anyone can interpret a situation in a way that you would never interpret it. Right. And I think the goal of that or that book shows that Steve Jobs interpreted these situations as opportunities he could he could you know make a fortune and a large impact on society um with but you know i think his his response would not be like oh yeah the way i became a millionaire or jillionaire is to be a dick to my employees Mm -hmm. yeah exactly um and and for me, you know, the interesting part here is not to say you should or should not emulate Steve Jobs or you should or should not pick some aspect of his personality to emulate. And it is to almost, is to take it back to that sort of universal point of of question what question that you need something in order to do what you want. And and I you know, and it doesn't mean that it's a yes or a no. It's the, you know, how how can you do it if you don't have that thing you think you need for? So, you know, I think a lot of, you know, if someone says, well, I want to be a librarian. All right. So I want to go to library school. And I think the question is, well, do you want to work at a library or do you want to be a librarian? Yeah. Cause there's plenty of people who work at libraries, including big academic libraries or big public libraries who don't have library degrees and, and, right. and who, who end up being very successful professionals even, right? Because being a librarian is a particular thing and there's also lots of other jobs at a library. Right. And, and I and, feel like, uh, you know, what most people go into the library, they never meet a librarian. Right. 
Um, but they think everyone who works there is a librarian. You know, and that's just sort of one example. I mean, I think right. there are tons out there um, where there are, you know, it's sort of figuring out what it is you, you actually want to do rather than necessarily. I, I can understand how it seems easier or seems more. I wouldn't say easier, but it seems more uh, less anxiety inducing to try and pick a well-worn path or a mold that already exists. Well, and that you're serious. I mean, I think mm-hmm. of it in the same way, like, you know, all those uh, fad diet things say, like, tell everyone you know you're on a diet, so then you'll stick to it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It sounds like that to me, like, where it's like, tell everyone you know you're getting an MBA, and then they'll know you're serious. You know, it will announce to everyone at a business mixer that you're serious. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, and, and I know people who've gotten M- MBAs and who got a lot out of it and are really glad they did it. You know, I'm, and it's not me saying that, that you shouldn't oh, no. do it um, at all. It, it, it's sort of saying, you know, but if you're not sure you want to do it and you're just in there because you don't know what better to do, well, then maybe there's another way to to get somewhere, you know, in the same way of, you know, if you, I mean, if you want to play guitar, you're going to need access to a guitar, <laughs> right? But there are a lot of ways you could get access to a guitar. Like, you know, I mean, it, a lot of people... You could it, go to the Guitar Center and just incessantly play Smoke on the Water at the Guitar Center. You can you can borrow one from a friend. <laughs> well, and there's a lot of people who, who, like, say, learn to play... Before the advent of, like, of, of digital keyboards, there are lots of people who learn to play piano who never owned a piano, right? right? And it was not uncommon that you maybe you play the one at church or maybe, you know, you had a friend who had a piano and... Someone would be, you know, they were more than happy for to come over or you just took piano lessons and the piano teacher had a piano or, you know, you learned instruments at school and you didn't get to keep it. I mean, you know, history is written with all sorts of people who have learned to do something without having to own a bunch of crap or without having to to enroll in 12 different types of school or whatever, Uh, you know. Certainly, you know, in the popular economy, in the popular culture, you know, the there's a strong need to sell you something before you can do something. And that thing can be education. But, you know, for me, it's a matter of but but is do you really need it? Is that really a barrier to getting going? And, 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 and you know, and even for the, for the purposes of us getting into this podcast, I think I said this before on the show. You know, when, when you, uh, when we talked about it, right. And when, when it came up more, when it came up a second time, I was like, okay, no, we really have to do it. Like we could sit here, <laughs> you and I at, you know, having beers 12 more times at bar to go, Oh, we should really have the podcast. But at least what I knew about you, Jenny, is that you're not idle in that, in these things, right. You, 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 in the time that I've known you, you were not someone who just says, Oh, we should do this and never does it. I right. knew that if I called the question, you would call the question. <laughs> It's true. I will do a thing. Right. Well, and that, and 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 so for me then, and and I could have very easily said, "Oh shit, you know, I haven't gone through my gear, whatever." And I have a little bit of gear already. I was like, "No, I'm just whatever I need to do to make this work. I'm going to make it work." Right. So I wasn't going to be like, "Oh, Jenny, we can't do it till this order comes in," and I do whatever. Right. I didn't want to be in that position. I was like, "Okay, I'm just going to empty out the closet. We'll see what works." And if it had, and and really, if it had been you and me in front of in front of the MacBook, we would have done it. I wasn't, right. I wasn't going to let it get in the way. Um, you know, as it turns out, I am an audio nerd. and <laughs> But, you know, even in talking to you. It, have, you have audio nerd privilege. I have audio nerd privilege. But, you know, and so, but it was a matter of, okay, you, you know, you, you had to come over and use the mic that I hated that was shitty and whatever a whole bunch of times before I was like, okay, all right, this is going to get used. 
you know, and I, and I know how to use it, but you know, and so it's not a matter of that. You should never buy something that'll help you do what you do better. It's just be sure that it's really going to help you do it better rather than just being an excuse why you can't do it now. Well, and I think this is part of what Cyrus talked about too. The idea that like you can't noodle around, you have to get in a program and then you're like in this, then it's sort of partially the program's fault if you fail, right? Mm -hmm. Right. Um, And I think it's interesting. I, so I learned to swim as an adult uh, about a year and a half ago and before I went to my first learn to swim class, I was like, I don't know anything about buying gear for this. Like, I bought a swimsuit, but I don't know what to get. And um, so I remember it being this, like, harrowing experience. And, uh, you know, like, two months after that happened, I learned, like, what I actually liked and and then got, like, nicer equipment. And a friend of mine is learning to swim, and she's going through the same, as an adult, she's going through the same sort of things, like... Uh, Amazon says these goggles are better than these goggles. And it's like, well, if you're at the level, if you're at that introductory level, even the shittiest equipment <laughs> is going to be fine for you because like you don't even know the extent to like what you need because everyone has different in that rating system. Everyone has a different need. So, you know, what you want might be the fifth best uh, right. goggle. It might just fit your face better. Um and I think I think that's the thing is it, that's the other you know sort of fallacy of I must have the best equipment or I must have this thing before I start because you know everyone knows like five months or two years after getting into something they become more of a snob right and then it's all about getting different better equipment that you would never have known existed or mattered. or sometimes not because sometimes people also get into it and realize that perhaps they have still have way more technique. To develop right. and prowess, than than even their their you know that they're not even pressing the, the, sure. the people's I mean, their equipment. It depends on the skill, you know, or, or like, in the person. But you know, it's like it's a I'm a bicyclist, but I'm I'm, I'm a commuter. I'm I'm a, I'm a pleasure cyclist. I don't race. I don't I don't I don't you know, and and I own I own um, currently three. I'm getting rid of one, so I will own two bicycles: one for commuting, one that goes faster. And on those like faster road bikes, right? You know, you you can pay a lot more money for for better gearing and for lighter frames. That if you're uh, definitely a competitive cyclist, will give you a, a, an advantage at some point. I'm not going to experience the advantage. I'm not that fast. But the fun, you know, what what is funny, and I've I've watched sort of amateur cyclists sort of argue about this about one bike being you know like basically a pound lighter than another bike, and they're both guys with beer bellies. <laughs> so do you know how what would be the easier way to make everything one pound uh, lighter <laughs> you know it, it's that level it's like okay the bike isn't the problem <laughs> you know and you know and it's not nothing wrong with having a beer belly i'm just right. saying <laughs> right like i'm not going out and buying an olympic swimsuit right it's right and I, I got a bike that i'm i was mostly concerned that it would be uh it would take a relative amount of abuse and not you know and not fall apart upon, upon me and it would be a relatively long-lasting investment and be fast enough uh that was all i needed and and you know and 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 i don't i don't i don't want to buy a bike again for a long time if i don't have to i, I would prefer just for it to work and it's fine. It's fine to take pleasure in stuff. I don't, you know, I and mean, this isn't a rant that people should or shouldn't do. Um, if that's what gives you pleasure is testing out cameras and, and, and posting videos, test videos on YouTube. I mean, great. Enjoy yourself. Well, Have a good time in life. Say, and it's not to say there aren't some things that you do need to, to 
start a no, thing. Exactly. I need a it's, swimsuit. I need goggles. I, otherwise, I cannot swim. Yeah. But well, you uh, you can. It's just you know the other people are, might object if you don't have a swimsuit my on. Contacts might. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> my contact. I might, I would not be allowed to swim at yeah. the swimming pool. So, um, or I guess I could get a swimming pool, but that seems like a far bigger level of entry than buying a swimsuit. So, do you ever watch uh, the show Louie? With Louis uh-huh, C.K. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I find that amongst sort of contemporary comedians, he he is the closest to sort of, say, in a certain way, George Carlin right now in being able to sort of take fresh eyes to aspects of American culture that we tend to take for granted. And but and and and, and but by taking fresh eyes, you know, putting in stark relief its absurdity. Right. So he doesn't pick he doesn't pick things that are obvious and um, often in the show, Louie, he has a little run-up. So it's a spoiler alert, but it's for an episode that was two weeks ago. So tough crap. Um, <laughs> and, and often in the uh, in the intro to the show, he'll often intro it or bookend the show with a, with a little bit of stand-up um, that he does at the Comedy Cellar in New York. And a little bit of co- you know, the bit he was he did was you know roughly I'll paraphrase. I can't be as funny as him. Was you know only in America you know would would somebody not be able to make a decision about a DVD player based upon the insane rantings of a crazy person on Amazon, right? That, that like, or, or like a Blu-ray player, like, I can't figure out which one to get. And yeah. I read all these reviews and there's, you know, and, and there's 30 reviews, you know, nitpicking the tiniest details about, you know, a Blu-ray player, right? Which is, you know, ostensibly this thing, you put a disc in it and it plays. And, and, you know, it's this sort of narcissism of small differences, right? And, and, and him sort of pointing out that, that someone who had the time and effort to, to, um, incessantly pick apart the, the qualities of this Blu ray player who isn't being paid to do so is probably crazy. <laughs> or probably as OCD <laughs> or some other sort, or some other sort of, of, uh, of condition that might be considered disability in some circles. <laughs> And, 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 you know, of course it was funny to be because guilty is charged on both counts of both having read those reviews and having written them. And, but I think it, it, it bears, it bears sort of being in stark relief of, of how, again, uh, there could be that paralyzing moment when you, you all you want is this thing to play Blu-ray this and you can't make up your mind between the Samsung and the gold and the LG or the Sony over differences that probably don't matter. Right. That you don't even understand. Because and, and, and sort of Louis's point was that it's it's about this why does everything have to be perfect and the best? Why do you have to have the best Blu-ray player, right? And and that's I think that's a great question. And like, why do you, why do you have to have the best Blu-ray? Why do you have to have the best bicycle? Why do you have to have the best tennis racket or the best camera or, or whatever? Um, it's not that you shouldn't. It's, it really is, again, why? <laughs> Can't you just get on with things? Will you even notice? Will it ever, ever make any difference? And, and, you know, again, to, to the point of if you want to do something, whether that thing is, you know, a hobby or whether that thing is, is, is competitive or whether that thing is more career oriented or whatever, can you just do it? <laughs> well, with that, I don't, need other people's, I, think, I don't need other people's validation. Exactly. To, to say that I, 
enjoy podcasting, and I enjoy interacting with you and our listeners. Indeed. All right. Well, that's a great way to go See? out on this podcast. So, uh, hey, everyone, uh, send us comments. Uh, we got jpsellout at gmail.com. And uh, we also got our website, selloutpodcast.com. Facebook as well, uh, where you should find. You can figure that out yourself. I think there's links to everything on the um, on the website. That's the easiest thing. And then uh, we got the the, uh, the Twitter as well, yep. right? And uh, you know what? You need to you need to give me the uh, Twitter password because I I can't post. I don't have it. Okay, I will give it to you. It's very difficult. Okay, well to do that off <laughs> off off. Yeah, I there. definitely will. All right. Well, thank you, Jenny. Thank you, Paul. <laughs>